Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because, yep, we're We're going going there. All right, we are back again with our third week in our Esther series, and we're excited that you've made it this far with us. So thanks for coming back. Yes, hopefully you haven't been too bored by it. You see that there are a lot of fun things that we can take from any part of Scripture, especially the Old Testament that kind of gets a bad rap. If you've been around here for very long, you've heard us talk about we both have kind of been inspired by the Old Testament in recent years, and so it's fun to dive into the book of Esther. We've mentioned this, but it's not really a book that many people teach on or kind of write a devotional about necessarily, so it's fun to break it down. Yeah, and today we are diving into another theme that we think is a really important one to gather from this book, and that kind of starts in this story. We talked about this last week and I think the week prior, but part of the storyline is that Haman, who is King Xerxes' kind of right-hand man, puts in a edict, or kind of a simpler term is a law, that he wants to kill all of the Jews in Persia and in the surrounding areas. And Mordecai, who is Esther's uncle, gets wind of that this is like going into place. And he comes to Esther and says, you have to save our people. She, to this point, has actually not shared her identity with the king as a Jew. And so he would have no clue that really even Haman put this in place. Haman was kind of, I guess you could say, I don't know, manipulative in the way that he even presented it to the king. But Esther gets wind of this and is like, oh my goodness. And so Mordecai says like, you have to stop this for our people. You have to save us from this. And so she is kind of presented with this giant question for herself. Like, do I go before the king? And we'll talk kind of more about that, but it's a big deal. Do I go before the king and present myself and share with him that I'm a Jew and all my people are going to get killed if he lets this go through? Or because I'm the queen, I'm probably going to be saved. And do I just let all my people Mm, die? And mm -hmm. so she's presented with this huge dilemma. Like, do I risk my life and hopefully save my people? Or do I actually just let it fly by and not risk my life and probably be saved because I'm the queen? Yeah. Big. It's big. It's big. Most of us, hopefully in our lifetimes, won't be faced with life or death decisions like that. But there's a lot of other small decisions in our life that build up. And it's kind of that, I always think of that like, what your character is. I mean, whether or not people are watching, it's like, what was that sign in all of our elementary classrooms? Like characters who you are when no one's watching. It's like when we're faced with these decisions, like they are kind of little decisions that build up over our lifetime and really kind of show who we are in a lot of ways. So it's good to think about. It's important. Yeah. And so she's presented with this decision and ultimately decides to go before the king. So a little bit of history and just historical context in it, like I said, is that as queen, that is more of like a government position, not necessarily like a wife and husband relationship. So it's not like they're like living together for one another, having fun together. No, no, no. It's like a government position. So she is queen. He is king. They live in different quarters. Don't even live together don't even talk all the Mm -hmm. things. And so she, one of the laws or rules is that the king has to summon you to come see him. So coming before the king without any request from him is not right. She can actually get killed. Yeah. Yeah. And so essentially what happens is when someone comes before the king, he literally has this like, I'm blanking of the word, but like a gold, a scepter. Yes. A gold scepter. And essentially he either raises it and says like, Oh yep, you can come before me. Or if he lowers it or doesn't raise it, then his guards kill you and execute you right there. And so that is her dilemma. She's like, okay, do I go before him? And do I try to have this conversation or do I just let it go? And she does, as you've read through the story, spoiler alert. So sorry if you've not, but she does decide to go before him 
She actually does that kind of through a series of things that she invites him and Haman to a meal and then actually invites them to another meal. And so mm-hmm. we're kind of like, hey, what are you doing? It kind of makes you wonder, is she second guessing? Like, does yeah. she actually want to do this? Is she not? We don't know all those details. But then eventually she does come out and she says like, Xerxes, I need you to save these people. And ultimately then, you know, saves herself, her family, and all of the people who ultimately now we know in the gospel story that all of those people are the people who are chosen by God to enter into the promised land and the fulfillment of the gospel comes out of that. So it's pretty amazing. Obviously we can see that now on this side of history, but it's pretty crazy that she's presented with this and it was her choice to either stand up for the injustice that Haman was kind of following through or not. Part of that story is that, you know, Haman only puts this in place again. We talked about this last week that Mordecai wouldn't bow down to him. Mordecai is a Jew. He knows that. And Mordecai wouldn't bow down to him because of his religious beliefs. He didn't feel like, I'm not going to bow down to you. I believe in God. And so what's interesting is that he puts this into place literally just because one guy doesn't bow down, which seems pretty crazy to us now. Pretty shamist. Yeah. But I think one thing we can learn, though, is how as Christians are we standing up for injustices that we see in our world today? A couple weeks ago, we talked about how chaotic our life feels and this world feels at times. And there are so many injustices that we could stand up for and what do we do when we see those injustices and what how do we act upon that how do we not act you know there's kind of this dilemma of what do we do when we see those injustices yeah i mean i think it's important to note too we see throughout scripture where jesus was someone who stood up for injustices that he saw and we see you know the times that he exhibited any emotion of anger it was like this righteous anger because of injustices and so it kind of shows us an example of like not only do we have freedom to stand up for injustices, but I think as Christians, there are certain things that like, no, we have to be standing up for injustices. We have so many opportunities, so many blessings. We're put in certain positions to where that's actually part of our responsibility to then kind of stand up for those who aren't in the same position, maybe aren't blessed with as much, whatever it is that you have felt called to, have felt convicted to, to be passionate about. What does that mean if you're staying silent on certain things? You know, it can be easy, especially as a Christian, to say like, well, I'm just going to step back, bow out of this maybe cultural topic that's coming up right now because I don't want to take one side or the other. But I think we have to always evaluate, well, is doing that confirming one side is, you know, am I feeling convicted to step up in this? Really going to scripture, really praying and being thoughtful about everything that we are faced with. Ooh, and that is so hard for me because I think about all of those things. You said the part about confirming. If I don't do anything, am I confirming? If I, you know, do something, am I, you know, confirming or denying what I'm supporting? That's a tricky place to be. And I think as Christians, again, why Samantha and I are passionate about people being in the word on their own daily and learning from scripture and what it says for themselves is one of those things that like to know and to have wisdom of that guidance, you have to be in tune with the Holy Spirit and you have to be convicted by what the truth says in the gospel. Because obviously we are presented with so many Injustices of different kinds. Again, going back to scripture, we see Jesus loving women. We see him loving orphans. We see him loving broken or the paralyzed the hungry, or the hungry. The sick, All yeah. of these people who we now even today would say, yeah, there are so many injustices against this group of people. And we see Jesus himself loving and caring and having really like a special place in his heart and 
in eternity for these groups of people. So we are obviously called to do the same. And it actually takes me back to we are right now as a church going through the book of Ephesians. And it made me think through, you know, Ephesians is a beautiful book. If you never studied it, I would encourage you to. But essentially, we're walking through Ephesians, going through essentially what God has called us to as his children, that being his children, we gain the same inheritance as he does, and that we gain the spiritual blessings of being with him in forever and being in tune with the Spirit and having a relationship with Him. And so what a beautiful gift. I loved what you said there, Samantha, that we get freedom to be able to fight fights and to love people well because of who God has made us to be in Him and as His children, which is awesome. It's also a really hard tension, though, because I'm constantly faced with this of like, okay, I know what like seems just and what seems unjust, but sometimes injustice like prevails in our world because it's sinful and broken. And I think that's where a lot of trust has to come in that like, okay, God, you could have stepped in and stopped this, but it you didn't for whatever reason. And that like he's still sovereign in that and there's still something working in that, even when it feels like, okay, well, I stood up for this injustice or like the wrong guy still wins a lot of times mm-hmm. in our world. Like the bad guy still comes out on top. Mm-hmm. And that can be a really frustrating thing in the Christian faith, especially when it's something you feel really like passionate about or convicted or that you've been prayerful about. It can kind of be like, okay, God, I did what you asked me to do maybe even if it was like a bold thing like thinking of her it's like Mm -hmm. you know that that was a bold thing and to know that okay even though god's on my side in this like it might not turn out the way that i want it to that's kind of a scary thought as well yeah and that can be so frustrating obviously and it even takes me back to that first theme that we went though that god works through the chaos and so i think those two themes are tied together we are called to stand up for injustices we are called to fight for the justice of people and people who God has created in his image. And so we don't get to just stand on the sidelines. We don't get to just see those things happen as Christians and not do anything about them. But at the same time, we can't jump on every bandwagon and we can't expect that the moment we do act, it's going to change because we do live in a broken world and we live in a world that is full of sin and full of brokenness, which, yeah, that's a hard tension to live in. Well, something you just said that I know both of us really want to touch on, because I think we see it so much in our culture, is like when we are really passionate about a certain injustice that we see in our world, sometimes, actually, I think most times, we kind of expect everyone around us to have that same fiery passion as well. And it can be a really frustrating thing to look at maybe even other Christians. Maybe even there's been things where my husband and I have had different convictions and different passions about things that are going on in the world. And you want to shake the person and be like, how can I feel so deeply about this, be so broken, be so upset and be so passionate about it? And that's just not something that maybe the other person is feeling. And I think it's important to remember, we've mentioned this a few times now, but we all are convicted by different things. We all have been given kind of hearts for compassion on different things. And so sometimes it can be easy to judge other people that you're like, well, why don't they care about you know feeding the children in Africa like I do? Like they are not really like doing their job as a Christian. They are not mm-hmm. in tune with Holy Spirit. It's like, well, most of us all have our own passions that we're passionate about. I've said passion a lot of times <laughs> in that, but we kind of have to be okay with understanding that not everyone is going to be on the same level with you as as mm-hmm. certain things. Yeah. And again, that is so hard in a world that obviously every message and we, well, we are like thrown a billion messages every day and just all these messages are, are just coming at us, some that we want, some that we don't want. And so again, I think that goes back to for sure holding tension in both of those things that as a Christian, yes. as 
people who are made in the image of God who want to seek justice and love and equality between all people who are made in the image of God, wanting to fight that, but then also the tension of we can't jump on everything and we do need to follow leadings of the Holy Spirit and being convicted of what He is working in our hearts and minds and trusting that ultimately God's world and vision and story will prevail. That I think that is what is so freeing in this thing that even what we see in Esther is that she was, you know, ultimately given this decision. She went through risking her own life to save her people. And ultimately we see that God's story does prevail and that Mm -hmm. that does move us into the New Testament and, you know, obviously Jesus coming to earth and all that we now see from that. But she didn't see that. She didn't see that in the time she was simply taking again the next faithful step as we talked last week into fighting for injustice and fighting for her people. Yeah, that makes me think of something that I have to remind myself a lot of. Like, we already know the end of the story of humanity. It's like, we already know that Jesus is, you know, we're coming up on Easter. It's like, we already know that he rises again and he, you know, will live in eternity and he will defeat all the wickedness or has. And so it's like when we can live in that reality, sometimes it takes the pressure off of, no, we're called into the story of God. He uses us. He wants us to be, you know, passionate about certain things, but it's also not all on us. And sometimes when we get that mindset, I think that's where the kind of bad sides of fighting injustice come out of like the hatred and the anyone who disagrees or sees a different side Mm. of the story kind of just becomes like this, I don't know, this enemy instead of just saying like, no, I can trust that God already has this taken care of. He's going to use me in this, but it's not all on my shoulders. Mm -hmm. Oh gosh. Yeah. That's so freeing. I love what you said there. And so, yeah, I hope this is encouraging to you. It's encouraging to me that we are called to fight injustices, to fight for the people that God has made in his image, but ultimately God's will will prevail and that all things will be made right when he returns again. And so again, just a really awesome theme I think we see in Esther that even just kind of ties all of these themes so far that we've talked about together. It's good. Hey, I really hope you guys have loved diving into the book of Esther with us. If you're looking for more in this book of the Bible and wanting to see more of how the themes in this story applies to our life today, then you can sign up for a really cool email devotional written by our friend and coworker, Annalyn Frazier. To do so, all you have to do is sign up in the link in our show notes or on our Instagram in the bio or on our Facebook page, and you will get these devotionals sent right to your inbox. It's a quick and easy way to dive deeper into the book of Esther. Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon. Thank you.